0: Hello and welcome to Save That, podcast where your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I am excited. That does not sound sincere. It is not. Well, I diagnosed that correctly. <laughs> also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Moderately enthusiastic, but not too much. It's the best we can hope from, for Jed. That's exactly right. So joining us all the way from Mercury Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christmere Church, Lee Younger.
1: If you're lukewarm and you know it, uh, slightly nod your head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're depressed and you know it, just sit there and do the best you can. <laughs> Okay, this is normally the part where uh, somebody starts on some kind of unhinged rant. No,
2: I'm good. Let's go. Let's get down to the wisdom. Right. I'm yeah, great, that's actually. You know, exactly this...
0: what you say before you launch into, like, what if the moon was made of Joel Osteen's teeth or something? Here,
2: look, let's, you know what? That's a good thing to point out. Let's be honest. Yeah. Some of these emergencies were not exactly emergencies. Sure. Sometimes it's just stuff that we really want to talk about. Well, that's
0: nice. a real breakthrough.
2: And, you know, normally Matt wouldn't let us, and we, we declare an emergency.
3: The guys. Well, you feel like, you know, as a part of our growth, both as people and as the show, it's going to place some more, you know, maturity. That's where, right. Where,
0: you know, we're just going to, we're not going to waste people's time. Yeah, That's we'll That's you know? the left you're baiting me with, and the right's coming. No, I can it, feel it.
1: As as the, Apostle, as the Apostle Paul said, when I became a man, I put away a exactly you. right. That's, that's exactly so, right. So.
0: I'm wearing a Batman t-shirt right now, so I'm not sure that can entirely <laughs> apply to me, but... No, I, I,
2: I think, you know, it's, it's, and I know it's frustrating for you trying to do the show. Well, thank you. There's a lot of monkey shines going yeah, on. Yeah. So, yeah. You know.
3: You've been patient with us and, and yeah. we need to, to honor that sacrifice by actually, you know, going ahead and growing and shifting the gear.
0: Well, I still don't trust it, but I'm going to gently push on sentence by sentence do until it. somebody erupts. Yeah. Yep. Sounds um, good. Like the, we've never done it this early in the show. So it's a little, if you normally fast forward to this part, we're really throwing it off a uh, bridge box comes out every month. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, like, we would make a bridge box about how to make fun of your pastor shirt. Nothing. No, to the contrary. No, bridge box
3: good. is a perfect way to begin starting a ministry. If you've never done yep. giving before, this is a really great way to begin. Right, it yep. helps to support all of our deacons are funded through Absolutely. that. We think it's fantastic. Get a lot of cool media to help with your walk. We think it's great. You should sign yep. up for bridge box. No question.
0: It's the way we all feel. So missionusa.com slash bridge box. eight dollars a month is all those things uh, Jed said. It's, yep. Uh, Okay, And going to jump right to our first question here. Huh? Yeah, no, no, let's do it. Let's good. do it. Okay. First question comes in anonymously. It says, hey, say that. I'm a longtime listener, and my husband and I have just found out that we're pregnant. Surely someone. Well, it's okay. wonderful news. It's fantastic. It's we, yeah. Life is beautiful. It's a gift. Yeah. We are super excited and wondering if you have any advice for these first-time parents. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Okay, I think. We're a little shorter episode this week, but I think well earned. Uh, Glenn, when starts off?
2: Well, yeah, it's it's great that uh, you're 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 pregnant. As Jed said, it's Absolutely. a blessing. And off
4: of that, I declare an emergency. <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> <way>! <laughs>
3: Glenn, is there an emergency? It's an emergency.
2: No, it's a. This the look of despair on on Matt's face is awesome.
0: I'm a broken man. Well, let's get into it. Uh, uh, really. yeah i'm excited now it's gonna be in the corner of the fetal position if anybody needs me
2: uh we've said it before and i've i've suggested we put this on all forms of merch and advertising for the say that podcast we make babies clearly easily Uh, we are
0: definitely not putting that on any merch uh
2: you because what happens is there's not babies right you listen to this podcast boom babies.
0: that's right biologically inaccurate so
2: I don't, you know, I I don't know exactly how the science works.
0: Obviously, if you think podcasting is involved,
2: <laughs> look, this is a baby making podcast.
3: That's baby just
0: how it is. is can, we, nope. pretty sure there is a genre of that on iTunes, but we are not it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can we can we put that as like our byline of the podcast? Yeah, I think no. so. Yeah. The say that say podcast. That.
0: None of you know how to do that, so no. <laughs>
2: Say that podcast. We'll get you pregnant. <laughs>
0: absolutely not.
2: Okay. So, but here's uh so, so there's, that's first of all, sure, it's a proven track record. We We've, make babies. No, make babies no. happen. Uh, this has happened many times. And, uh, you know what, fellas, whenever we have a baby situation on a, on a podcast super fan, we often go to the same discussion. Mm. Which is the and it's the obvious discussion. Right. Which of the say that personalities are you going to name your baby after? Sure, of course. Uh and obviously Glenn is the main you know, that's like you name the first one Glenn. Well sure, yes. And then as you sure. have other children, well, you go through the others and well whatever, the legalistic
0: you want. Jed all is one word, I think, is picking up steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right,
2: yes. Yes. So um but I think maybe it's time for us to take a whole new look.
0: Well, that. you know, I mean, here's
3: the thing. Here's the thing. It it goes without saying Glenn is going to be your top choice, but there are a lot of variants on Glenn. Right. There's Glenard. Uh huh. There's Glenjamin. Right. Glenn Stantonople. Uh huh. Which of these are we going to land See, on?
0: It's Glenn Stanbull now.
3: I, that's right. Um. How are we, how do we decide? We, yes, we want the shortened form to be Glenn. That. That goes without saying. Right. And, if it's,
2: and also if it's a girl, Glennifer. You know, sure. You know. Yes. Glennjamina <laughs> yeah. Uh
3: But how do we, you know, we want to, this is the thing. If we pick the wrong name, we've basically doomed this child. Correct. That's the key thing that we want to do. Your, your first time parents is we want to heap as much fear on you as possible. Right. So right. we have to get this detail right. And immediately. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, you know, we go from like Harvard graduate to not. Right. That. Uh, this That's is right. why Chad
0: so, is the only person who's been uninvited from the eternity ward for quote <laughs> making fun of the baby's names. <laughs> 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 what Terrence? Terrence ruined <laughs> out. Call it.
3: <laughs> I mean, if you want your child to be more of a Yale student, then sure, Terrence is They're fine.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I think uh, you know. Uh, what other suggestions do we have? Uh, you know that would
1: well. That would work I, I, don't, I don't know if this sounds good to you guys but uh, for for those who live in the United States you know that right now is is in the sports world there's something called March Madness where there's kind of a a tournament with the you know the NCAA college men's basketball games uh, basketball teams we could have like a tournament of like a bracket style choosing oh. with all of the all the out there all the all the say that Super fans, all the listeners, that you kind of choose your names, we set up a bracket, and then we kind of decide what this person's baby is named, and they have to go with it. That oh, I love sounds that. Great. Yes, yes.
0: Because
2: really, should the naming of this child be up to the parents? No, definitely.
0: Yes, not. legally and ethically it should. I
2: mean,
3: you know, and here's why. If it's a girl, an obvious choice, Glenderella. Right. But how many parents are actually going to have the courage of their convictions to do what they know
2: to be right? I feel like that's going to be a low number.
0: Like everyone on the internet, when you say courage of their convictions, you mean stupidity.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, like, think of how many times,
2: you know, the the, the, the parents have named a child something, and sure. they tell you what it is. Think about how many times, this is for real, yeah. they say, here's the name of the child you got. <laughs> Great
0: time to remind you that people we know in real life listen to this podcast, so... <laughs> yeah.
2: So, when they tell you the name of the baby, you're always thinking the same thing, which is like... "That's uh,
0: lovely. Yeah.
2: So, ooh. Well, okay. I guess.
0: You know. The <laughs> statements of Glenn Fitzgerald are not supported by his co host on the Say That Podcast. Your baby Meetings. name is lovely.
2: Yes. Here's what I'm saying. Like, you ever know that couple that gives the, the baby an old lady's name? Okay, we're getting specific
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> Calling out real people with real names they may have for life now.
2: I'm just saying, you know who you are, and if you'd come to me, you wouldn't have this problem.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's... I, I have a concept. I have a thought. Because, obviously, yes, we want the the emotional payoff of um, a Glenn-ish name. But we right. also need that sweet, sweet cash. And as yeah. I understand it, having a baby can be a little bit pricey. There's a uh-huh. lot of stuff to buy. There's a lot of stuff to spend money on. Right. I'm talking about a onesie that's just Glenn's face. Right. That's uh, kind of yes. NASCAR style. Exactly branded. right.
2: You're talking about branding. Yeah. I'm talking about branding.
3: I'm talking about uh, the say that onesie. I'm talking about the say that crib. Right. The whole thing, man. Right. Say that pacifier. Right. Putting the wisdom in your mouth. Nope. Wow. Yeah. That's Double right. note.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of, you give the child a laser pointer. Yes. It so just uh, makes it really spiritual. Totally. Here's what I'm saying off of this, and now we've hit on an amazing idea. Almost certain we haven't. Now uh, I they ha- I don't know that they have this. They may have this overseas, but here in the states, uh, if you have a stadium, yeah, one of the things that they do is they sell the naming rights. Sure, to the stadium. So it, you know the the my beloved hometown Astros play in Minute Maid Park. Sure, yes. So it's you know, like you the, think
0: orange juice, you think Houston, Texas. That's right.
2: So um, you know, that's uh you 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 know you can name it whatever the thing is, and then you that's the name of it that and then you, there's money. Right. That's why I'm talking about loot. Yes. So uh we could have like a baby named subscribe to British box today. Wow. Yes.
0: Sure. That it's a rolls little wordy. Top. It's a little wordy,
2: but you know that would be like boom money. Yeah, I like it. I like it.
0: Sure. Well, the other big branding thing is in the sports world is you know it'll be whatever it is, but there's like a presenting sponsor. You yes, know. right. It's- brought to you by. Yeah, it's the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. It's the right. World Series. Brought to you by Ford. Whatever. Uh huh. So yeah, we could. It could certainly be Sarah. Brought to you by Bridgebox. Yeah, I, I love, love that. It. I love it. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. Very strong.
2: Yeah. I think uh, I think we've got ourselves an amazing idea. Yeah, yeah. I feel very good about all of this baby branding, but not that kind of
3: branding.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> baby branding—that's bad. Uh,
2: well, you know, sometimes they look a lot alike. Nope. So you <laughs> no, so no, no, no. you can figure out who does this baby uh, yeah, belong. Nice to. ID bracelet for that. Hey, look, I'm from Texas. This you is know, a flying H baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So that what that would do is yeah, but uh, probably branding a baby with like a slogan yes that would be bad because there's a lot of it would be like a really long sentence sure you don't have a lot of real estate on a baby no it's it's pretty limited that's problem number one yeah then the baby gets big and the words get all you know gloopy yeah so that's not gonna work sure yeah so you know let's 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 be let's. Let's be forward-thinking. Let's be sensible. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Let's be sensible. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've hit on a heck of an idea. Absolutely. But... Uh, for now, let's leave this baby unnamed until we can really sort out the particulars. We'll send our lawyers over, sure, of course, and we'll go through all the ins and outs and what have yous. You know, right, right, uh, because uh, you don't, you don't, you don't want to uh, just say, "Well, we're going to call this baby Sarah," right, and then what do you have to show for that? Right, right.
3: Well, on that basis, perhaps, yeah. You might want to declare that we had a state of emergency that, at this point, <laughs> is... Nothing comes to mind.
2: No, I'm I'm good. No, nothing at all? Go ahead and start the show. Everyone's
0: favorite running gag, Glenn f- forgets the bit he's in.
2: <laughs> and I declare emergency off. Ah, ah, thank you,
0: sir. Okay. I may not approve of your emergencies, but I do insist on proper procedure within that, them. That's right. Okay. So I'll remind you of the question. We are jumping to our first question. We hey, us all the way to the end. i get some ways to get touched. With this first question comes in anonymously. It says, Hey, say that I'm a long time listener. My husband and I just found out that we are pregnant. We are super excited and wondering if you have any advice for these first time parents. Thanks so much. And Glenn with hesitance, I say, once again, why <laughs> don't you start us off?
2: Well, naming rights aside, we are, are super, super excited for you guys. Uh, and we know that you're looking forward to that experience and i'm sure you're getting a lot of advice that you may not really be uh super stoked to get and that may not be you know all that great uh but i think the main thing for first time parents is uh rest and balance hmm. getting getting the uh, uh getting whatever sleep you can get whenever you can get it and recognizing that's that might be your biggest uh, challenge uh, is is just that uh, that involves uh, getting help i don't i don't know if he can dig it but i think for for any of us when we reach a certain point of exhaustion we're too exhausted to figure out how to get help yeah, with yeah. our exhaustion yeah that's right uh so you don't want to wait until you're swamped uh also i think it's a fairly common experience that the parents have a ton of help in the first three weeks. And then after that, it's like, ah, good Board luck now. Yeah. 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 You know what you're doing. I just give you a, uh, but you know, the, the first three weeks you're you're, you're just full of wonderment and, and amazement or whatever. Uh, but then there reaches a point where you're really exhausted. You really need help on, on the handoff and you, you need to, to get that rest and balance. So I think it's, it may be about thinking ahead and, and saying, you know, once a month we need to do X or uh we need somebody at this point to be doing this thing and, and get that lined up ahead of time. Uh the second thing is to recognize that parenting is, is not a perfect science mistakes will be made. Yes. That's the thing. Yes. Uh you get comfortable with that idea. It and that's for all parents everywhere. The you know if you if you're engaged in and trying to do the best that you can uh that's all we can ask of you. We can't ask you to be a perfect parent. Such a thing does not exist. And uh it's a and it is about learning as you go and the, if I could tell you anything about raising kids from beginning to end from the perspective of the guy who's worked with the delinquent ones where it went wrong is to be flexible. Mm. Uh you know if some things work from A to B and they stop working from B to C nobody knows why. Uh, If you have what you think is a perfect solution and very godly and spiritual and you try it and it tanks, start praying about maybe I should do something different here. Uh, So, you know, uh, uh, being flexible, understanding when uh, we need to learn and grow in that process is really important. There's a humility that comes with that and dealing with mistakes being made. Uh, A final thing I'll say is uh, to think about boundaries starting from day one. Boundaries is a great thing to teach kids, and it's a great thing to work into the relationship of uh, here's what's acceptable and here's what isn't, here's what we're willing to 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 do, and here's what we're not willing to do, uh, to give kids a sense from from the very, very, very beginning of where those limitations are and why those limitations exist, uh, and to have those boundaries within your own life, within your own marriage. I'm at the end of my rope here. We need to call in a babysitter, and we need to go have a decent meal, and I need to wash my hair for the first time this week. That kind of stuff. Uh, And so uh, recognizing that I think will help a great deal.
0: And it's a really great place to start off. And Lee is the only one of us who is actually a parent, not once, not twice, but thrice. (laughs) Why don't you uh, help us out here?
1: Well, I I love a lot of the stuff that Glenn was saying. And one thing that that you need to know is that – And somebody needs to tell you this because what you're about to do is so hard Um, and it's and it's okay that it's hard Um, and that you've never done anything like this before is that this the super, super difficult part is not going to last forever. Um, you're going to get some space away from the, the, the stuff that Glenn's talking about, where you don't have enough sleep and you don't have enough rest. Some of that is going to iron itself out. One thing that we do want to say to tag along with what Glenn's saying about, um, it's okay to not be a perfect parent is it is completely okay off of that to not, to feel like I actually don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. And to be real about that and honest about that and to look for a lot of advice and a lot of help, um, Anybody that thinks they've got it all down and all figured out, um, that is not a good way to go into this. You want to go into this with a lot of humility, and you want to go into this as somebody that's teachable. One thing that's really cool is that you you don't have to know how to be the parent of a teenager today, because you don't have a teenager yet. Um, you get to do this step by step. You get to walk with your child uh, alongside them as they grow. You don't have to know how to, to do youth sports or anything like that right now. You don't know, have to know how to talk your kid through dating or anything like that. You have to know, like Glenn said, how to do the feedings, how to get enough sleep, how to do the baths, all that kind of stuff. And you can handle that. Um, one thing I would say, um, just as somebody that's been a parent for a long time, not only as somebody that's been a parent for a long time, but somebody that's worked with young people for a long time and has had tons and tons, like and more than I can count, conversations with with kids who are having a hard time in middle school, high school, and on into college and beyond is for you, um, as you're getting ready to have your first child, um, I would say it's maybe the biggest thing I would say is to pour your heart and your soul and your energy into your marriage. Um, a lot of times new parents feel like we 're going to pour everything into our kid, and there's, there 's there 's a part of that that makes sense, but what happens a lot of times is that people pour everything into their kids and they leave their marriage um, sitting on the sidelines and you 've heard us say on this show before that if you want a good marriage you got to pour almost everything you've got into your marriage. If you want a great one, you have to give your marriage everything that you have. And so you want to pour your energy into it, in, into your teamwork, into your respect for each other, into your affection, into your the sex life, all of it. Uh, because like having a, having a strong marriage with two people that respect each other, and know how to work together, know how to take care of each other, all that kind of stuff, you're going to teach your kids so much about... Uh, about good, healthy relationships, and you're going to give your kids a place where they feel safe. And all that stuff is super important. Um, I would also say, just as one last little sideline, be ready to apologize. Um, Be ready to say that you were wrong about stuff. I can't remember one time when I was growing up that my parents ever apologized to me or my sister about anything. I can't remember one time that my parents were, quote unquote, wrong about anything, and that's a difficult way to grow up, and I know a lot of kids, most of the kids that I know grow up in that same kind of environment. Um, be ready to go into this with some humility and to as your kids grow up, get ready to be wrong about stuff and get ready to look into the eyes of your child and say, "I was wrong about the way that I handled that, and I need you to I need you to forgive me." Um, it's, it's going to change the way that you have a relationship with your kid and they're going to respect you off of that. And they're going to learn that same humility too. So get ready to apologize, get ready to be wrong about stuff and get ready to, to admit that.
0: Absolutely. Right. I think that's really, really fantastic stuff. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close us out here. Now, uh, one recurring theme on this show is we tend to make fun of, uh, white Christian men for, talking out of their rear ends on things they know nothing about yes so in a in an example for us all i believe you have asked someone who actually knows what they're talking about on this subject for input i have indeed in the spirit of humility i don't have kids or I mean you, can, you, can pro- you counseled a lot of parents in the same way that Glenn has?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So um, uh, Hallie and I have a dear friend who is an amazing, amazing mom and amazing person and loves Jesus. And I um, uh, was dealing with a situation recently where I needed to get some input from our friend on what the dude specifically could do uh, with a couple that's expecting. And, and here's uh, just directly from my friend. Here is her response. Uh, this is not my wisdom. It is her wisdom, which is much better than my wisdom. So pregnancy-wise, if you're the dude, go to the prenatal classes with your lady. Right. Um, That's very supportive. Uh, Go and get her the food that she's craving. Um, that's, it's just a good uh, kind of morale way to help, uh, take her, uh, particularly as the pregnancy gets a little bit farther along, take her shopping for maternity clothes that she actually likes and that she feels good about wearing, that she feels pretty in, that she feels attractive in, and particularly as pregnancy uh, drags on even later, uh, buy a pregnancy pillow. Uh, it can get super, super hard to sleep. Um, and a pregnancy pillow can help a lot with that. After the baby arrives, one of the key things is to find a way, and my friend suggested that this be kind of a, a regular day every single week where uh, your wife gets a little break. Oh, yes. Uh, that's just her time.
1: That's so um, good. She
3: can she can practice self-care. So um, depending on your lady and her personality, that could look like a lot of different things. She might want to go to Target by herself. Uh, she might want to go to the movies. She might want to take a nap in a quiet house. She might want to reconnect with her friends. She'll definitely need to do that. Uh, but – all of that is good. All of that is needed. But the way you can do that is by, again, as, as the dude, the way you can support that is by making sure she has that opportunity, that she gets that regular time. And again, my friend suggested that probably be a regular day every single week uh, to do that. So it's a yeah. ton of great advice, a cr- ton of great detail there from um, a person who knows what they're talking about. But the main thing above all is we're so happy for you guys. We're 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 proud of you. We're delighted for you. And we're praying for you.
0: Absolutely. I, w- I would tie that very, very good advice to Judd's friend gave us back to both what Glenn and uh, Lee were saying. And it's, it's something that's not spe- specific to uh, pregnancy stuff. It's, but it's it definitely happens that is that kind of um, competitive exhaustion, that idea of, you know, whether it be a new kid or work or whatever it is, we all know who's doing this the best by who has the least sleep. It is really talking about <laughs> how this is destroying their life. And um, it's important in all areas, but I understand for my friends who are parents really on this, to not give into that and to do these things, caring for yourself, as Lee pointed out, caring for the marriage relationship and all this. And, uh, as I understand it, um, babies will demand enough attention. Yes. They are loud. They are there. So it's not so much the, uh, the pouring every last second into that, as much as, as these guys have all given you ways to do, take smart, uh, ways to get the rest you need, get the sanity you need and play the long game on that. And a lot of great, Advice in that direction. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes into our email address, and it says, where does cynicism come from, and what as Christians can we do when we are feeling cynical? And Lee, why don't you start us off here?
1: Oh, this is such a cool question. Um, You know, I think one of the—this is one of those questions that we could talk about for a long time. And I think one of the reasons for that is that cynicism comes from so many places. I mean, we could take a bunch of different angles on on where cynicism comes from in in ministry. But I, I, I would highlight one place, which is for folks doing ministry, cynicism can come very easily from disappointment. Um, and basically, the, the disappointment that you can have it comes from like unmet expectations, and obviously the what we want to do to counter that is we want to have good expectations for what we're going to actually see from ministry, what fruit we should be working toward. And the way that we do that so often is we find other people who have done this thing longer than us, and we talk to them about it. And we ask them, what is it that I should be working for? What are the goals that I should be pursuing? How should I be pursuing those things? And how can I know what I'm getting there? These are the kinds of things that we want to figure out because it's very, very easy to get in your head a certain set of expectations. You know, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to get this result so that when that doesn't happen, it is so easy to get jaded. It is so easy to feel like nothing works. Um, I suck at this and nobody cares about what I'm offering or whatever it is. So we want to have good expectations. And one of the ways that we do that not only is making sure that we're in communication with and seeking the advice of people who have done this for a long time, but especially in terms of ministry stuff. Um, and I'm thinking specifically about ministry stuff as I answer this, but specifically in ministry stuff, you want to have a good team around you where everybody can kind of stack hands and talk about, this is what we're looking for, and this is what we're aiming at, and we can kind of keep each other on track on that stuff. Um, when you're out there by yourself... It's so easy to let disappointment get you down and make you feel like nothing works, nothing's cool, nothing's ever going to happen for me. Um, But when you have a team around you that has the same goal, it is so much easier to stay focused and to know how to encourage each other. And that's a huge thing, knowing how to encourage the people around you and having people around you that that know how they can encourage you. That's a huge deal. There's a place in, in the book of Hebrews that um that talks about how Abraham saw the invisible god and so much of the stuff that we are working for and that that our faith is made up for is stuff that you can't see and we have to learn how to we have to learn how to do like Abraham did and see the invisible one we have to learn how to how to reach for stuff that other people don't care about that other people don't see i'll give you a quick example of that so uh Christy and I support um uh the the work that, that these guys do in Mission USA and one of the things that they do is that they'll send out like a kind of a, a ministry update every month and they'll kind of tell us about the work that they're doing and by telling us a little vignette, a little story of something that the Lord did this month. And it would be really easy from the surface or from the outside to think like, oh, that's a nice uh that's a nice story about someone who got the help that they that they needed. But then what they'll do at the end of that letter is they'll turn it around and give you the perspective of what this means from this, from a spiritual sense, how big a deal it is. And then they turn it even farther by saying, and that's because of your help. And all of a sudden, you're feeling like, wow, I was really part of something that's huge and important. And if I didn't have that perspective, if I didn't see invisible stuff, if I didn't know what I was looking for, it would be very easy to be discouraged. It would be very easy to not see how this huge thing that's such a big deal. And so I think that... What we need to have is we need to have clear and good expectations about stuff. We need to have people around us who understand what we're about and can encourage us and that we can encourage as well. And we need to learn how to see the things that matter. When we start to build that kind of stuff in, then we can fight the cynicism that comes particularly from disappointment or unmet expectations.
0: That's a really cool place to start this off. And Jed, where would you take us next?
3: I love everything that Lee said. Um,
0: let's, let's actually, that's
3: a, a great kind of very broad uh, uh, kind of establishing shot view. So let's now draw the camera in a little bit and get a little bit more detailed. Um, cynicism is specifically, if you look up in the dictionary, it's specifically a distrust of motivations is actually what what is cynicism. Kind of colloquially, when we use that word, we tend to combine a distrust of motivations with skepticism, which means just a doubt that things are true, with pessimism, which is a doubt that things will work out. Um, And we can oftentimes kind of lump all those together, and we just call it cynicism. But those are actually three separate things, and we kind of need to look at those a little bit differently. So for purposes of this, let's just look at cynicism, that is doubting people's motives, you know. Somebody says they want to do something, and I assume there's a bad motivation of why they want to do that. Well, now, the interesting thing is when I deal with young Christians, they are, generally speaking, the most cynical people I ever talked to in terms of the true definition of cynicism. But the people they're cynical about are themselves. They are Mm. convinced that Everything they do is being motivated by bad motivations. Yeah. They have wrong, bad, dirty motives, and they shouldn't do any of the things they want to do because it all comes from their wrong, bad, dirty motives. Would
0: you say that their motives are duplicitous?
3: Definitely duplicitous. That's
0: a real example we had from a friend who was talking about his going to Haiti on a regular basis to do actual real ministry work there. Yeah. And his take on that was... I know that my prayers about this are duplicitous.
3: Yeah. Maybe not. They're, they're That's not. just good.
0: That's a good thing. <laughs> Here's, we're, you know, there's a lot of times where
3: people try and bring up theology, and it's really not relevant, and it doesn't really help. This is one of those moments where actually it's super important. So we're going to dig into it for a second. Um, there is a fundamental doctrine to really any Reformed theology, uh, which would, roughly speaking, describe all of us on this podcast. And it's a belief called the depravity of man. And the idea about, and, and some would even say the total Depravity of man. But the basic idea is that people are innately sinful. That you have a a sinful that at your core you are not morally good. You you have a sinful nature, you're corrupt to the core, that in the core of your being, you want wrong things. Um, And you you kind of want them because they're wrong. Uh, If you read Romans 7, it really, really gets into that. And, And part of the struggle of being a Christian is that there's there's a war between that sinful nature that that is a part of you and the new creation that God has made and and the new person that you are, and it's it's a rough thing. But that at the end of the day, you apart from God... Uh, is totally depraved, is totally messed up. In fact, Paul says, I know that in me nothing good lives. That is in my sinful nature. That's a a direct quote from the Apostle Paul, which is really, really heavy stuff. But now it's about to turn into good news. So stay with me for a second. The thing is, if you believe in the total depravity of man, which roughly speaking, you you should, because it's definitely a biblical idea, that means you have wrong motivations about literally everything in your life. You right. are not capable of doing anything without having at least a little bit jacked up, messed up, wrong motivations.
2: Right. So you can have a, a certain small amount of selfishness in everything.
3: Exactly right. You're Actually, I mean, again, the biblical view would be you are not capable of doing anything from 100% pure motives. Right. You, you don't have that gear, and, and neither do I. You have some degree of, as you put it, selfish motivations in literally every single thing that you do. So then, here's the good news. That means you can relax. Right. That that means you can calm down for a second because we actually don't have to worry about which are the things that I want to do out of pure motives and which are the things I want to do out of bad motives. Part of you wants to do all of it out of bad motives, no matter what it is. Go on the mission trip. Bad motives. Stay home for the mission trip. Bad motives. Right. go go help at the jailhouse the worst motives the most terrible motives right. Right. but here's the thing about that cynicism again that always assuming bad motivations is it keeps us it gives us no insight it keeps us from having any wisdom about what we're dealing with, about the situations that we're dealing with. And wisdom is actually the thing that we need. Our question asker said, How do we, what do we do as Christians when we're feeling cynical? A big part of what we do is we search for wisdom. Here's the real problem with cynicism is it feels like it's telling us something insightful. It feels right. like it's giving us wisdom and depth and insight. It's not at all. No. It's in in fact it's telling you something that's kind of laughable. It's saying there's probably you probably have some bad motivations here. Of course you do. You have bad motivations about everything. That's theologically a necessity. But it's not giving you any wisdom of any kind. For example, cynicism never answers the question, is this a good idea? Right. Like does this, does this make sense? Is this a well thought through idea? All it does is it says you want to do this for wrong reasons because you're a bad person. So feel bad. Well, that's, that's not helping you make godly decisions. That's not helping you do godly things. If we accept that we're sinners, and so, of course, we have some degree of bad motivations about everything, so, you know, yes, there's something to be cynical about, then we can move on to saying, but what else is true? What is God trying to direct my attention to in this? Where is God trying to get me to look? What is God's perspective, which is what wisdom is, and how do I access that? The more wisdom that we can get from the Lord, the more we can move away from cynicism. I
0: think that's a really fantastic point. And Glenn, one of the things Jed was, was ending with there, which I would love for you to pick up on, is this idea that one of the, the more seductive things about cynicism is it seems like a really realistic totally level-headed and reasonable reaction to, I don't know, everything that's happening all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So that, and that's kind of true, but it is also uh, not helpful for all the reasons that Jed and Lee lined out. So what do we do with those two realities?
2: Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, cynical people are right a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe more to the point as Jed laid out those definitions, pessimistic people are right a, a whole lot of time. Yep. If you just say It probably won't work out. Yeah, the world is full of schmucky people acting schmucky, that's the safest bet there is. Somebody's gonna do that. But now part of that is the time element. You know, if you wait long enough, these schmucky people get their comeuppance and they get a clue and they make changes and whatever. So then uh, an optimistic person would say, well, see, I'm right. You were wrong to be pessimistic about that. Uh, the, the truth is both of those people are wrong. They're both not looking at the actual wisdom that God is offering in that situation. They're taking an emotional inclination and using that to navigate through the world. So a cynical or pessimistic person uh, again, it's just laid out those definitions, and I think that's, a lot of people think pessimistically, and, and, and as you say, conflate those two words. But a, a, you know, a pessimistic person says, well, um, I don't want to get my hopes up mm-hmm. because that makes me vulnerable, sure. to then they go crashing down. So if I just assume everything's awful in every way, all the time, then I'll never be hurt. That's not wisdom. That's avoiding reality. And this, uh, an optimistic person is the same way. They don't want to have to make hard confrontations, make decisions, uh, and, and alter their life because something's a bad idea. So they just think positive about it. It's just going to be blessed. Everything's just blessed. Well, you're just blinding yourself to what's going on. Right. That's, uh, it, the thing is that uh, wisdom and hope go hand in hand. All the virtues that God offers us all fit together. Uh, it, it, the more wise you are, the more hopeful you are at the exact same time. Uh, uh, optimism doesn't have anything to do with wisdom, so that that's the difference between optimism and hope. Uh, hope takes into account, yes, it is screwed up, and yes, there are schmucky people in the world, they're going to do schmucky things, but here's the hope, and here's how things will we'll, we'll work out, given that. I think we, off of that, We have to be mindful of who we're hanging out with. I think we take on the attitude of the people that we're around. And if you're around people who are just really negative, whether that be, you know, politics stuff or just social stuff, God help us, you know, racist type stuff or whatever else it is, xenophobic stuff, you're going to pick up on that a lot more than you think you will mm-hmm. off of that. Uh, It's important to recognize uh, that God is on his throne. He is in power. He is going to have the last word. It's going to work out exactly the way he wants it to work out. You need to figure out what's happening with that. What's happening with the world and your take on it and your opinion on it and your emotional druthers on that are not going to lead you to any form of wisdom. We had to see things from God's perspective, and that's where wisdom is. If you get that wisdom, you're going to have that discernment. The Bible talks about that that this idea of discerning what the truth is. Uh it, you know it uses a similar word to uh to to the word that we would use to to talk about judgment, but it's a different word where it talks about going all through something and seeing all of its parts. What parts are good, what parts are bad, what how is this gonna go, what's gonna develop, all, all of that, taking in the whole picture and the we would translate that perhaps into the word of, ju- of discernment. That's what God's calling you to.
0: I think that's all really, really fantastic stuff there. And uh, cynicism, one thing I'd add to that is that cynicism is a lot like other things we talk about in that it is not really, as, as Jed pointed when he walked you through all those things, which are a very good and complete definition of cynicism, those are all lack of other things. Mm-hmm. In that cynicism itself is is not a deviation from a zero. So Mm -hmm. to not be cynical, as as Glenn's pointing out here, is not to just get back to a kind of point of stasis from which we can see the world. You have to um, replace that with something. And we talk about how there's no such thing as wanting to not be fearful. You have to want to be courageous the same way these guys laid out, and I think hope is exactly right that Glenn gave you there. And this is actually, um, we referenced this during the emergency, but this is, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 11, uh, Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I, came, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, Then we shall then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And I think there's a lot of that uh thinking like a child, reasoning like a child. Um to say, well, sometimes stuff doesn't work out, so everything is terrible, man, and you know, nothing cool ever happens. That's that's a childlike point of view. Cynicism, I say this as a person who's deeply cynical and working on it. Cynicism is a form of pouting a lot of times. Now there are some people who've been through Atrociously uh, horrific and traumatic things. And their cynicism is well earned. But in a lot of cases, it is a certain amount of well thought stuff would be cool. And now it's it's all bull, man. And that's just not a way to do that. And uh, Paul goes on in verse 13 to kind of give us the antidote of that, which Glenn mentioned. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think to that point, there's not really such a thing as saying, I want to dial down my cynicism. There's only saying I would like to get more faith, hope, and love. Yeah, yeah. And that's that. The good news about that is that's a lot easier than dialing down your yeah. cynicism. If you can look for, as uh, you know, as Glenn is pointing out, things to be hopeful about, things to look into that. If you can look for, as kind of as Lee was pointing out earlier, those concrete things, those things unseen. That's definitely faith. And just people around you that you can love on, that you can bring more love into this situation. That's going to go. Uh, it's hard to feel cynical. When you are serving someone That's right. in a way that makes them feel loved, Nicolas one more thing on this?
2: It, super quick. I, I thought of it as soon as I stopped trying to think of it. Uh <laughs> the word is dia That's with a K instead of a, a C. Dia Uh you can type that into your Google and it'll come up. It appears eighteen times in the New Testament. That's uh the word we would translate as discernment. You mm-hmm. know, it's translated in different ways, different translations, obviously. Uh, but the, uh, if you're looking for something to kind of study to get yourself in a different place, that's and a good w- way can to Can you give
0: us uh, one of those example verses if people want to Bible Hub that? Uh, inter- yes. Um, go to Bible Hub, interlinear, and then click on the Word?
2: Yes, I sure can. Um, yeah, a good example is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He's talking about um, the Lord's Supper and, and uh, how we— do stuff with that and being uh, discerning within that you know little uh, conflicts and you know how people get with uh, religious stuff uh if you look at verse thirty one there uh it's it's talking about this idea of uh, being discerning of of ourselves, kind of like we were talking about uh in that topic but uh if you if you type that into to Google it'll takes you to a number of websites where you can go through every example. Of that word being used in the New Testament, uh, we use Bible Hub for a lot of that stuff, and it, it works really well.
0: Yeah, just for an example, if you go to Bible Hub and search First 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one in the uh, in the NIV, that'll say, "But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not condemn under we would not condemn under such judgment." So you can click on a tab that's interlinear, and it'll show you basically the English word with the Greek word over it. Right. You click on the one that's above discernment, and you can see all the other places in the New Testament. Yeah. That's the is, which is, as Glenn points out, how we do most of our Greek studies is a super easy way mm-hmm. to understand words like that and how they're used, which is, um, you can pay $40,000 a year, but that <laughs> going through interlinear and finding other places to use, that's what all the people who are taking that money are doing. That's right. They so can just cut out the middleman. All right. We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our email address. It says, it's been four months since my breakup and I'm nowhere near over my ex. If he came back and changed his mind and build some trust back, I would wholeheartedly want to be with him again. But that looks very unlikely, and I'm trying to be hopeful, there it is, about the future and trying so hard not to miss him. I guess my question is, how long do I need to wait to date again? I have started talking to someone, but I don't know if it's fair to continue if I'm not completely over my ex. And a really good question, a lot going on there, and Jed wants to start us off. Well,
3: we're sorry for what you're dealing with. And the key thing that I'd like to start by encouraging you to do is to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, uh, a lot of what runs through your question is uh, you kind of being mean to you, uh, and we we don't need that. That's actually not going to do any good, and there's there's nothing Christian about that. And I think part of what's going on there actually, which ties back to our last question, is it kind of sounds like you are ascribing the worst possible motivations to yourself.
2: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: you know, so you're saying. The, the objective reality is you had a breakup. Um, we're still dealing with some of the emotional turmoil of that. You're beginning the dating process again. Um, and here you are, it sounds like in the very early stages of looking at a relationship with someone new, but still dealing with the emotional fallout of your previous relationship. That all makes sense. That all tracks, but we, it sounds like you've kind of constructed in your brain, a situation where you're this awful person, that's cruelly leading
0: on a fresh victim so that you can savage them with your emotions. Well, that's, uh,. Well, and also someone who you set the artificial deadline for when you should be over this relationship yeah. and happened to set it so that you would fail.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. We we want to cancel all of that. We want to yeah. cancel all of that. The the thing about feelings is you actually can't just will them to be what you want them to be. Um, it would be a lovely world if you could, but you can't. That's kind of what makes them feelings. And that's that's true for all of us. The other thing that I think is that I kind of see running through your question just to get us started is that. We may be struggling with keeping things in proportion. So if you were looking at, if you're saying, man, I'm not over my ex. I mean, you know, if they showed up with a boom box in the rain, I would totally take them back. And this guy's about to get down on his knee and propose to me. And I feel like that kind of creates a conflict. I agree that that would be something where we, you know, we need to hit pause and really think this thing through. You going out for coffee with somebody is not the same thing. Righto. Um, uh, the the proportion of what's going on here, those are not close to the same in any way, shape, or form. Um, Is it possible that you would go out on a few dates with this person and it, things would start to be picking up steam, but you would just totally feel like, man, I am just not at all over the X and I feel like we're starting to get into a place where maybe this is creating a conflict. It's possible, I guess, but we're not there. And that's that's kind of borrowing trouble. I mean, if we're, if we're not there and you know, there's no telling if we would be there. Well, again, we, we may be as Matt put it, kind of creating artificial limits for ourselves, you know, as, as kind of something to, to feel bad about. Here's the thing that we want you to do. We we want you to be kind to yourself and we want you to give yourself permission to feel how you feel and still make the decisions that make sense. Um, there is a crude phrase that we will paraphrase in an edited way here. And that phrase in its paraphrase form is nothing gets you over the last one, like the next one. Um, and this is the thing that's really true. Um, yeah, what, what you may find is if you go on three or four dates with somebody new and he's super dreamy and, you know, golly gee, you may find all of a sudden you really don't miss that X nearly as much. right? and, that's okay. That's not that's not rebound dating. That you know, you said it's been 4 months. You you're you're past the point of rebound dating. It's, yeah. it's not rebound dating. That's not you uh using the new relationship or in some way doing something wrong with the old relationship. That's just how life works and and that's that's okay. I think before I pass it to these other brothers, one of the things that a lot of people can struggle with in and it sounds like maybe you have going on here is holding yourself to a standard that you would never hold one of your friends to. Mm -hmm. Um, If one of your friends came to you and described this situation, I think you'd know what to say to them. I think you'd say you're being too hard on yourself and just take it one day at a time. And if you think this dude is neato, go out and have coffee and just see where things lead and don't worry too much about it. And you'd be right. You'd be right in that advice. And again, I think you would know what to say and you'd, you'd be confident in it. You need to apply that same level of mercy and grace and understanding to yourself. We always run into a problem when we are being more graceful to other human beings than we are willing to be to ourselves. Amen. Be kind to yourself. God loves you. We love you. There's good stuff coming in your life.
0: That's really the most important place to start. And, Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. And uh, an important point that Jed made in there is that idea, which I think it's easy to get into when you're in a serious relationship That all relationships are serious now, Yeah, and I just uh, pick up the next one, or I dropped off that one, and that may be part of what's tripping us up here,
1: right? That's definitely a huge piece of this. Uh, Too often, we think that there's, especially exactly as you're putting it, Matt, is that once we've been in a super serious, super exclusive dating relationship, that's the only thing we do now. Uh, we only do dating fully switched on at that level, at that level of commitment, at that level of exclusivity, at that level of seriousness. And there there's, there are other kinds of dating out there. Um, and just because you have been in a really long-term, super serious dating relationship where maybe you even had conversations about marriage and stuff like that, and then the thing doesn't work out, that doesn't mean every relationship after that is at that same level. And by the way, and we need to say this because it is important that doesn't matter how old you are um if you if you know you've reached a certain age so you feel like now I'm on the clock, every relationship I have has to be just uber serious from the just from the jump and that's not the truth the The truth is that exactly as jed's saying, going on dates with different folks having a good time it changes the channel off of those old feelings it it gives you different experiences. It does help you move on. I mean, especially when you're going out on, you know, you're going out on dates and you have good, healthy boundaries set up. You're super clear about that kind of stuff. Then that can actually be a really, really healthy thing. And the only reason to bring up boundaries in this, it, I mean, we bring that up to say, you know, it is easy to get super unhealthy, super fast. But if you have, if you know the, the way you want to handle your business and you make that all that clear, I mean this can be a super fun thing just to go out with different folks, meet them, hang out, have a good time, um learn what different people are like this is it's basically a whole different animal from the situation that you were in. You were in a serious committed relationship, and now you get to date, and those are two different things, but what happens is we get this feeling of now i've achieved this level. It's almost like you level up in a video game and now this is your this is your experience level. This is your whatever. These are your hit points. Now you have to be this way um in every relationship. That's just not the case. I, I love the way Jed put it of being kind to yourself. The other thing is is to realize that it doesn't make you less than to have you know, just casual dating kind of experience, that doesn't mean that you have now reverted back to something, um, something less, um, something more immature or something, you know, that, that, that doesn't count as much or something like that. We need to cancel out that kind of stuff as well and say that this is a normal, it's a good part of the process, it's a healthy thing, it's not a less than thing, it's not an immature thing, this is a good thing and it's a good next step for you.
0: Absolutely right. I think that's a fantastic place to take it. And Glenn, where would you close us out on this?
1: Well, I think let's talk a little bit about the
2: goal of this getting over it part of this that you're focused on. Uh, and this is going to sound maybe a little weird, but I think the biggest part of getting over a relationship that you've, you've ended is to find a way to go through and filter out the bitterness. The, you know, just the feelings of rejection, the frustration and the, the loss of hope and all of that to just filter that stuff out, to take a good long look at it and say, you know, this stinks, but I'm letting it go. And what you're left over with that is some really nice memories that there were some really good things that happened and you're able to celebrate that relationship, be, be happy about the good parts of it. You're not ignorant to the parts that were messed up, but you're you've taken those and you've kind of put them on the shelf that allows you to look back uh fondly and enjoy and celebrate uh, that relationship um The goal of of getting over someone is not to have no feelings about it that would be weird yeah. so if it's also you, not possible it's not possible. If you if you still have some warm thoughts about this person, that's normal. I mean, that's good in a way, you know, that you, you don't, you know, it's like that great social philosopher says, the way I used to love you, that's the way I hate you now. This is not, uh, that's not healthy. That's not good. You don't want to have just a, an empty hole of nothingness where you, every time you think of this relationship or something, that, that's, that'd be terrible. That's not what you're supposed to want. So, you know, getting completely over someone uh, is really about being able to celebrate uh, those good good times there. Uh so missing that person's fine. Uh the other thing is you say in here uh, uh uh you know, I I would want to be with him wholeheartedly um if he came back, changed his mind, built back trust, uh got a haircut Uh, found a better job, uh, had a better relationship with his parents.
0: Didn't do all the things that led to the demise of our relationship.
2: (laughs) Yes. Communicated, you know, sparking himself up. Plenty of roughage. Lots of exercise. Uh, I'd like him if he did all of that. Well... You're talking about a version of this dude that does not exist. You you'd be happy to date that guy. Sure, that guy sounds great. That guy does not exist in the world. You you miss the, the 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 hope and the promise that this guy might be that person, but you know,
0: that's a great point and we don't know the details if this is someone who broke up with you. What you're saying is I would love to be with a version of that person who wanted to be with me, right. which is kind of a big detail in a right. dating relationship. Yes. Well, that's the
2: thing is, is, is that's, that's, that's a, a deal breaker. Really? Uh, so <laughs> that's a <ultimate> deal
0: breaker. <laughs> so would say,
2: that's right. So I, I think that's, uh, you have to, again, as Jed is saying, you have to be fair with yourself to recognize that, that it's, it, there's nothing wrong with thinking. I, I would love to date an entirely fictitious version of this person that doesn't exist if that person existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- y- you know, So that's acknowledging that since that person doesn't exist, then there isn't a healthy relationship to be pursued there. Therefore, it's fine to let it go and move on to another guy. Now, if you want to know what's the right and healthy attitude, It's about looking at the next guy and saying, if I see the same signs and I see the same behavior and I see the same tendencies here, I may have a type that I need to be aware of and I I may need to learn from that last experience, which again, that's part of the goal of the getting over part is going through it with fine tooth comb, learning, understanding, putting stuff on the shelf and that sort of thing. So that if if you see that moving forward, you want to be more discerning, you want to be uh, better armed to make that decision. But I think the, the mistake I, I hear a lot of young Christians make is to say, if I do nothing, that that is always better and godlier and holier than doing something. Sure. Uh, I don't read that on anywhere in the Bible.
3: Well, Glenn, I have um, <sighs> terrible motivations, so it's always better if I do nothing. Yeah,
2: no, that. that's—no, yeah, you, you could just— Ask God, do you want me to do this and then do it? Or do you want me to not do it not do it?
3: But what if I want to do his will but only for the most selfish of reasons? Yeah,
2: that's
0: just— That's just, cool. That counts.
2: Yeah, that's it. It <laughs> that totally counts. Just do it. You know, that's the thing. Uh, so, we, you know, it's this attitude of uh, repression, denial, uh, uh, getting myself alone, having nothing to do with anyone is automatically holy and good and right and healthy and whatever. It should sound wrong when I say that out loud. I'm I'm worried for some people that it doesn't. Uh, but the truth is, uh, you know, God wants to, you to move on and find new relationships. You should and almost certainly will fall in love with multiple different people before you find somebody you want to settle down with. There's nothing wrong with that in the world. Those should be hopefully eventually somewhat pleasant memories of a few good times with relationships that were sort of dimmed. Uh, and never were going to work, but man, we had some really cool times. That's what you're supposed to think.
0: Sort of doomed, but we had some good times. Glenn has a a bit of a Russian existential take on dating sometimes, <laughs> but it's not, it's not wrong. I think th- these guys all gave really great stuff on that. One aspect of this that um, I think is worth covering is I think sometimes people, exactly as these guys all talked about, kind of being too hard on yourself and your motivations, to Jed's point, is this idea of, you know before this relationship, the previous relationship went south. I really liked being in a committed relationship, I really enjoyed aspects of that. What it gave me, I liked you know, uh, you know, what that brought out in me being in a with a supportive partner and a loving relationship and all that. So, am I inherently just selfish for wanting that for myself and inflicting other person on that? As we pointed out, that's a little cuckoo. Um, for a number of reasons, one of which is there's nothing wrong with that saying, I like this status if you had a job and you liked being employed. Yes. And then that job went away. It would be like, uh, it's probably that I, it's not that I want this new job. It's that I just want to be employed again. Yeah. There's probably a little bit of that in there, but if you like the job anyway, these guys kind of pointing out this, th- this, I think a lot of this is, um, hinging on the idea that there was this magical alchemic chemistry with this one person and is it is it folly and selfish and kind of a quixotic ideal to chase that again? As all these guys have pointed out, that's really kind of super not the way relationships work. We pointed out before, if person A wants to be a person B and person B wants to be a person A, and they both love Jesus and are willing to do what it takes to make that work, a lot of that's going to take you pretty far. Now you need God to get involved in that, and we're really not going to get to the ins and outs of the one. We've answered that kind of question before, but... This idea of, well, I probably just want a thing that would make me happy. I'm and the I'm worst. Big old jerk face. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, that's, <laughs> total, that's that's fine. And the other aspect that I these guys all mentioned, but I want to really hang a light on it, is an idea that we, we would call, when we uh, kind of talk to folks, uh, letting the, the emotion follow the action. You're saying, you know, is it, is it unfair to move on before I'm fully over this person? And that's kind of a catch-22 because you're not going to be entirely over a situation until you move on from it. Right. It's the old thing of if I tell you whatever you do, don't picture a pink elephant, right. you will inherently think of that. Right. So if you sit around all day going, I really miss so-and-so, that's that's going to be a self-feeding cycle. Right, and that's you, right. You, in, a, in a certain way, you do move on by moving on. Right. I think we would say that it's a very good idea to be straight up with the new person in the sense of saying, you know, I was with someone. I thought, kind of thought that I was going to go the distance, but that didn't work out. So I'm a little tender on some things on that. Yeah. Maybe that's we totally need cool. to go
2: a little slow. Yeah. And, that's yeah. totally cool.
0: That's, yep. that's, that's great. And that mm-hmm. is a much better strategy than just going, well, I'm probably still in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably all doomed and we'll just see what happens. You know, let here's an idea. This other person you like, maybe let them have a hand, uh, a vote. Right. And whether or not this whole thing should go forward. um. So, a lot of good stuff there. And uh, we hope, and above all, as Jed pointed out, we're sorry, but uh, it's one of those things where it can feel like the end of the world has happened to you. This happens to pretty much literally everyone, and they come out fine on the other side. And so That's will you. Right. All right. If you have a question for us, set podcast at gmail.com, com. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from this month's bridgebox this is from our friend thomas cox all right oh, his debut solo effort Oot. for bridgebox this is featuring his friend bronson this is a song called when i have you take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you nothing you can do about it
2: the say that podcast offering competitive naming rights for your baby for example this is sarah brought to you by say that outros <laughs> <laughs>
4: I should I turned and ran the other way thought I was lost for